It's time for episode 426 of the Clockwise Podcast from Relay FM, recorded Wednesday, November 24th, 2021. Clockwise, four people, four tech topics, 30 minutes. Welcome back to Clockwise, the tech podcast that's gobble gobble. <laughs> I gotta tell you, honestly, I had planned to get a sound bite and I just didn't do it. So there was your awkward gobble gobble. I am one of your hosts, Micah Sargent, and I'm joined across the internet by my good pal and dungeon buddy. We're back in the saddle over on TPK. It's Dan, the man, Morin. How you doing, Dan? I'm doing well, Micah. I was not prepared for the interrupting turkey. Uh, I... I thought I made it clear that no turkeys in the control room during the show. That's just the only policy. It's the one that's been saved, you know, the one that the president oh. chooses. Yeah. <laughs> so if we put him to work. I'm holding doing, on to it uh, until it's podcasting. Time. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, uh, while I pet my interrupting turkey, let's move on to introduce our guests. To my left is a developer advocate and the host of Conduit right here on Relay FM. It is the delightful Jay Miller. Welcome back, Jay. Why does the thing love Thanksgiving so much? Because it's goblin time. <laughs> oh, my Reference acknowledged and appreciated. And to my left this week, it's a technology enthusiast, engineering professor, and occasionally a podcaster. It's Corey Hickson. Welcome back, Corey. Thanks, everybody. Glad to be here. Uh, no, no turkey puns there, but that's okay. Uh, maybe they will come up throughout the show. Um, the turkey says, yes, that will happen. Anyway, let's get into things. My question for you, I was just thinking about this last night. I've got lots of different methods for charging my devices, uh, be it cords and, and wireless charging and all sorts of different ways. And so I was just curious, what is your, what is your charging setup? Like your main, your most used devices that you have, how do you keep them charged or do you plug everything in? How, how does it work for you? Jay, we'll start with you. So I, I should first start off by saying I'm absolutely terrible at keeping any of my devices charged. So usually the charger is the thing that's closest to me as the bar drops even closer and closer to absolute doom. Um, but that being, since I'm usually at my desk, I do have a MagSafe charger for my phone. Uh, my laptop gets charged through my LG 5K display, um, and that's really about it. And then my iPad is just dead in most cases. <laughs> I I hear that Jay. Let me tell you. I so I charge my phone and my watch basically every night. Uh, I have a Studio Neat charging stand, which is one of the newer ones they did, which has space for one of the MagSafe puck for my uh, iPhone 13 and a watch charger. So I'm pretty good about always sort of you know putting those down at night. Uh, the one trouble sometimes the with the iPhone 13 because the camera bump is so large, I have to make sure that the it gets centered correctly on the MagSafe puck. Otherwise, it can easily be off kilter. Um, my laptop generally, even though it's an M1 and the battery life is pretty long, so I, I'm very happy to leave it sitting around not plugged in these days. But when it is plugged in, it's plugged in at a, with a power adapter um, 
just in our living room. And then the iPad is totally the wild card. I picked it up the other day uh, and realized I hadn't opened it like for literally a week for the last task I had did, which was doing the Sunday crossword. Um, and so uh, it was pretty dead. So if I need to plug it in, it's on my desk, uh, plugged into a lightning cable that's plugged into my iMac. Sometimes that does not pro- provide enough uh, power to charge it, which is a bummer. And then it just dies and I panic. Uh, Corey, what about you? So I treat, you know, in true Thanksgiving form, I treat charging like I treat, you know, the buffet style dinners that we're all going to have in the next, you know, two or three days. Whereas if there's one there, I just plug it in, right? Like, so there will be a cord there and I plug into the cord. Or if there's a, you know, wireless charging mat, mat there, I throw my phone down on the wireless charging mat or my AirPods or whatever it is. Unlike the two of you that spoke before me, my iPad's pretty much always charged because I use it to teach all the time. So it needs to be. It's If there is a device that needs to be charged, it's my iPad. It's not my iPhone. So basically, if there is a random cord, except for at an airport or some public space, if there's a random cord laying there that I can plug into my device and get charged, I'm charging that way. Nice. Um, so they no longer sell this on Amazon because Aki got in trouble. But uh, one of my main devices that I use is this uh, device called the Aki Omnia. It's a 100 watt two port PD charger that's got GAN technology. And so you can plug two cables into it. I've got two very long cables from Nomad that are USB-C. And uh, those... Oh, golly, this is going to make me sound ridiculous those plug into i'm just not realizing those plug into the two ipads i have um (laughs) and pretty much those so they're just ready to go when i need them because i do a show uh ios today where we're covering apps and all that and so i have them ready to go uh for that show and other than that i have uh some wireless charging dock next to my bed that keeps things charged but i have noticed that i still do a pretty good amount of plug in to charge um even you know if i my iphone typically is pretty good to go throughout the day uh but in in the occasion where i have the screen on for a long time i will uh plug it in to to charge it that way so yeah i've got chargers on chargers on chargers and i was just curious kind of how everybody else did theirs so thank you for your answers on that question let us move on to our next topic which comes from jay so obviously this year things have gotten better question mark compared to the last thanksgiving (laughs) holiday season uh, that we had uh so a lot of folks are going to be uh traveling in cars uh for me that looks like a a good two-hour drive um to the desert yay um my question is what travel tech um are you going to be blowing the dust off again now that traveling isn't necessarily the greatest thing in the world, but it's a, a thing that's more accessible now. Uh, you know, I am still not doing too much traveling, but I will say the thing that is sort of really made things palatable for me over the last few years. Uh, and I do a lot of, a lot of my family lives about six hour car drive away. So that's a quite a trip. Um, a few years back, I replaced the 
radio unit in my car with a a CarPlay compatible unit. So being able to plug in and provide not only directions in the case that I need them, but also allowing um, very easy control of things like podcast playback and music playback uh, and uh, audiobooks and stuff like that has been a lifesaver. Um, it, it's less, it's easier for me when I need to do it and I am driving as much as I try to not do that. But it's also great when my wife is in the, you know, co-pilot seat or vice versa and the person in the passenger seat can do the control and DJ and all that. It's just so much better than a lot of the experiences I remember dealing with. I mean, I'm speaking like, you know, back when I remember we used to drive back and forth to college and I had to plug in a CD player to a cassette tape adapter and try to figure out what track things were on or navigate an iPod while driving. And none of that was safe or things that you should be doing. Um, so yeah, uh, CarPlay has been a huge, huge improvement for me for travel tech. And I, I really can't imagine going anywhere without it these days. Corey, what about you? So mine too relates to not having to plug into the cassette deck, you know, with whatever iPod or um, CD player or whatever I had back in the day. But so I've, I was telling everybody that, you know, I have a lot of children, so we aren't traveling. We haven't traveled for a very long time. Um, but if I was traveling, the thing that I would definitely have with me are my AirPods Pro, because in the rare event or the hopeful event or the wishful event that everybody actually falls asleep in the car, I can slide an <laughs> AirPod into the one ear um, and I can listen to a podcast or an audio book while I'm you know, mindlessly driving the car, or I guess mindfully driving the car is probably the better way to say that. But at the same time, um, it just helps kind of pass the time on those on those real long car trips. So I'm not dusting them off because um, I use them all the time, but I wouldn't leave home without them. That's for sure. Micah, you're up. Yeah, I think the most important thing for me, I, we won't be, tr- well, I guess we will be traveling now that I think about it a little bit. Um, it's so important, I think, to have some sort of mount for your, uh, your phone. And so, um, that is, I've, I've got, I can't remember now which company it comes from, but it's a mag safe, uh, or I, I should say magnetic because it's not technically blessed by Apple, uh, dock for the phone so that it can be stuck to the dashboard it can sit there oh it's from from anchor um and i can you know keep track of of where we're supposed to go uh and how we get to where we're going so yeah anything that makes that process a little safer i think is uh, a really good thing and uh that that pretty much covers it for me if uh, you want to round us out here jay yeah so very much like dan um i was also blessed with carplay uh, recently, um, actually the last trip to the desert destroyed my last car. So I had to get a new car. For- oh, no. <laughs> what are you doing in the desert, Jay? <laughs> you really don't like the desert and it doesn't like you. It sounds like. Exactly. So yeah, CarPlay has definitely been a, a big help. And as an owner of a, an, well, I shouldn't say as an owner of a little one, as a parent, um, <laughs> I, I will also plus one anything that I can use to make sure that um, I don't wake up the, the, the sleeping child in the back. All right, folks. Uh, it looks like we have reached halftime here. And that means I can tell you about our sponsor this week. It is Pingdom from SolarWinds. Today's internet users expect a fast web experience. No matter how targeted your marketing content or how sleek your website is, they will bounce if a page is loading too slow. But with real, you, you know, I have a feeling that that bounce is like a technical term, but I think of it as this very <laughs> slang term of like, 
I'm bouncing. See ya. Anyway, you don't want that page loading slow. With real user monitoring from Pingdom, you can discover how website performance affects your visitors' experience so you can take action before your business is impacted, before those users bounce, all for as low as 10 bucks a month. Whether your visitors are dispersed around the world or across browsers, devices, and platforms, Pingdom's going to help you identify bottlenecks, troubleshoot performance, and make those informed optimizations. Real user monitoring monitoring is an event-based solution, so it's built for scalability. That means you can monitor millions of page views, not just sample data, at an affordable price. You can get live site performance visibility today with real user monitoring from Pingdom. Go to pingdom.com slash RelayFM right now for a 30-day free trial with no credit card required. Then, when you're ready to buy... Go ahead and use the code CLOCKWISE at checkout to get an awesome 30% off your first invoice. Thank you to Pingdom from SolarWinds for their support of this show and of Relay FM. Alrighty, Dan, you're up. So Apple announced as part of iOS 15 that it would be building in this feature that made it possible for states to issue essentially digital driver's licenses or IDs to people, and you could pull it up a lot like you do Apple Pay. Uh, this apparently has been pushed back. It's now listed as not arriving until next year. A handful of states had signed on to it. I'm kind of curious to know your impression of this. Is is this sort of where we're headed? Is this the future to have your, your driver's license there with all your credit cards and Apple Pay in your wallet? Or does it seem like this is just sort of a uh, pipe dream that's not really going to end up going anywhere? Corey, what do you think? I think this is definitely going to happen. Um, I think the thing that's holding it back right now is um, the government adopting it and figuring out, you know, quote unquote, the best ways to make sure it's verified and it's approved and things like that. Because I think Apple has demonstrated that they're going to be able to do it in like the, you know, the more secure enclave type portion of your phone or the, you know, without logging in. I think they're going to figure out a way to do it where you don't have to fully log into your phone to show that ID. And I think that is the thing that as soon as government adopts it, I think it's going to be able to to roll out. Um, and I think this, the the use of Apple Pay and the increased use of you know digital wallets and things like that is just going to do nothing but help this whole situation. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, there are lots of qualms and lots of concerns that I have about this technology and lots of uh, far more intelligent and uh, well-versed people have spoken about the privacy concerns and other situations. But um, with that caveat there, I do think that, yes, uh, this absolutely is something that will eventually uh, be in the future. Uh, I mean, when you think about it, the sort of security of a um, of a digital card that doesn't have the opportunity of getting lost or broken as easily as a uh, plastic card uh, is already one thing. Then you think about the potential cost savings in place for not having to print out those cards. The fact that it takes forever for, uh, you know, I moved to California and it took me forever to get my new uh, driver license here in California. So being able to issue those sooner, being able to uh, not have to go in to re-up your driver license um, if you've got all those things in place. I mean, there are just all of these benefits that you can start to see. And those benefits of convenience are also uh, 
often uh, paired with the cost savings of not having people inside of the DMV for uh, longer periods of time, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I really do think that this is um, the future uh, because of the potential to save money and make things, as the states see it, more secure. Uh, We'll see. Jay, what are your thoughts? So prior to 2020, I would have said uh, there's no way because we still have government systems using Fortran um, (laughs) and COBOL. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. Apple has already said that they don't really want to be in the business of maintaining the back end of this, just kind of providing an interface for this. And I, I do think that that's important. I think that it's good that... If we're going to roll something like this out, it needs to be available to everyone, mm-hmm. um, or at least everyone within reason. So I know we don't talk too much about Android folks uh, that often, but hey, uh, I think Android folks need a, a solution as well. Uh, now, fast forward to post 2020, where we have been able to see digital, you know, vaccine checks and things like that being handled at the state level and actually done really well, at least in California. I'm really impressed with what they've been able to do. I think that there is hope. Uh, I just hope that it's not running on uh, those older systems because who knows, I might have to name my next child little Bobby Tables and (laughs) just make sure that they can get out of every speeding ticket ever. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up the the, the digital vaccination card because that's exactly why I started thinking about this. Um, you, as you pointed out, and I've had several friends who live in California point out, California's done a great job of this. Other states, not so much. I would even include my own home state of Massachusetts, which is generally a pretty techy tech savvy state, uh, did not do a great job with this, and there is no unified way to get your <laughs> digital vaccine card. So that's what makes me hesitate about this, is because I think the point is is given, as you said, that the this needs to be rolled out and accessible everywhere. And the fact that the United States system, at least, is so you know federalized and things are left up to the states makes me extremely curious about how well this will end up being adopted. And it certainly seems like it needs some federal buy-in as well, especially if you want to use it for things like, I imagine it would be super useful for uh, you know your TSA uh, procedures at the airport. Um, so I'm very curious and I think, you know, as a result of our system, things often get sluggish uptake when it comes to trying to implement standards like this, just because there are 50 states and everybody wants to kind of do things their own way. So that's what holds me back. I think the technology end of it looks very promising. Uh, I think Apple's thought through a lot of the security implications of it as well. Um, and, and given as, as I think Corey said too, the, the huge preponderance of people using digital wallets these days, it's clear that we have sort of passed past the threshold of people being comfortable with that kind of thing. And, and certainly for me, not having to carry my driver's license uh, everywhere I go necessarily uh, would be uh, one less thing to worry about. So uh, I'm curious to see how it plays out. I think it may be a while before it shows up for me. All right, let's move on to our last topic, which comes from Corey. All right, we'll stay with Apple for the final round. Um, Apple announced a self-service repair option. So what I think is interesting about this is it's genuine Apple parts and, and I quote, tools. Uh, and I never really thought I fix it would be able to get Sherlocked, but I guess here we are. Um, now, my question is multifold, right? So do they care about Apple users? Is that why they're doing this? Uh, can they not handle all the repairs You know, with all the, the people that are using Apple products now? Um, or do we think this is getting front of, in front of right to repair legislation you know, or something else? I mean, there might be another option. So regardless of the reason why they're doing it, are you interested in this? And if so, why? 
So I think that uh, Renee Ritchie did gave a good answer um, for or explained this in a way that I kind of hadn't touched on uh, and on MacBreak Weekly when he was talking about Apple um, needing to do this because, frankly, they cannot scale to handle all of the repairs that are available. Um, the company just it's they're not able to deal with every single one of the repairs that comes in and in many countries um, aren't able to uh, have you know Apple stores where people can get to them um, you know more so than 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 not and I uh, had talked about how I used to live in uh, a city in Missouri where I would have to drive three hours there three hours back to get to an Apple store uh, in order to do a repair. And so oftentimes I would do uh, repairs for friends, family, and myself uh, just on my own. Go to iFixit, get the parts that I needed and uh, the repair guide and and do it myself. So I'm, I'm pretty used to this already and I'm excited that Apple is making this available uh, for for folks. And you know, even if I don't have repairs that I'll do myself now that I am closer to an Apple store, I just really want to see those uh, repair guides, those official <laughs> repair guides from Apple. So uh, at the at the very least, I am excited about this because I'll get uh, to have more information and get, kind of get to dig into things. Uh, Jay, what are your thoughts? So as someone whose job used to be to void the uh, manufacturer's warranty on Apple devices whenever a screen got cracked, I am excited that hopefully now they're giving us better and more expensive ways to do this. Um, I also think that there's a cost to having people in the genius bar whose only job is to replace broken screens or inserting motherboards into other chassis because you broke the back glass. Uh, so I, I do think that it's actually a like financial boom for Apple to do this. I think they just didn't want to based on competitive advantage and all of these other things. Um, and that being said, I, yes, the answer to all of these is yes. Like, <laughs> do they care about us? Ah, sure. Um, can they not handle the repairs? They can. It's just really expensive and your job is to save money, not spend it. And are they getting in front of red legislation? Absolutely. 100%. Am I interested? Not as much anymore. Um, it's funny. I feel like I'm tech old, which means I'm in my thirties. Uh, so that just means I don't have time to fix my phones anymore. I'm too busy telling people to get off my lawn. Yeah. And because of that, I, I'm still going to take my phone into the Apple store and have them fix it. Or I'm just going to live with the cracked screen because I'm a barbarian like that. <laughs> I, I agree. I mean, with Jay's point, that was going to be my answer as well Is it's a little bit, all these things and, and more too. But I think that this is sort of a perfect storm opportunity for Apple in, in order to sort of check off a lot of boxes. Yeah. They can get ahead of legislation. They can take some pressure off their own uh, genius bars in terms of repairing stuff. Uh, they can make a little money on revenue, right? Because they get to sell these parts and these manuals, and it means people probably will buy fewer third-party parts in some ways. Um, they can open up networks, uh, you know, of of indie repair shops that can help with the kind of problems Mike had described, where people are just not nearby an Apple store, an Apple authorized service provider, uh, and it opens up those abilities for sort of mom and pop shops to be able to get 
uh, parts and manuals. Uh, I think uh, one thing not to overlook either is the environmental impact. Apple talks a lot about how much it cares about the environment and having phones. You just, well, that one's trash, throw it out and get a new one. It's not a great look when you're, when you're talking so much about how much you value the environment. So, Having the ability to repair older phones and not force people to buy new ones might seem like it dings the bottom line a little bit. I actually don't think that makes a huge dent, but uh, I think Apple has done a great job of keeping its software working for older models for a long time. So it, it feels like maybe now's the time for it to match it on the hardware side, too. So for me... I like Jay. I mean, I'm in my 40s. I also don't have time to replace the you know pieces as much as I used to. But uh, certainly there are cases where I might consider helping out a family member or a friend or something who wants to keep that old iPhone going for a while. And I'm really interested to see what they're making available for the Mac, which they said they're going to start doing as well. So that to me, there's much more possibility there because Macs tend to last a lot longer and they do have the ability to sort of swap things in and out. So I'm intrigued to see what that's going to look like. Corey, why don't you wrap us up here? Yeah, so you all covered the specific questions really well. Um, I'm very interested in this, but it's more from, like Micah said, it's more from a, I want to know. Like, I want to mm-hmm. see the manuals. I want to mm-hmm. I want to learn about the technology more so. Whether or not I'll actually do it is a whole other question, right? So, you know, whether I get to the point where it makes sense for me to buy the part and then take the time to do the work is all going to depend on what the markup that Apple puts on all of this stuff is going to be because you know they're going to put a markup on it. Um, so the the intention to action you know step I don't know I haven't determined that yet but it's very interesting to me and I'm glad that we're going in this route because I don't feel comfortable I do it but I don't feel comfortable buying parts off the the third party market when you can't guarantee what you're getting in and you can't guarantee what it's going to do once you put that new battery in you know your old laptop. Um, this would be a way to kind of solidify some of that more for me. Um, and then the other thing is from my teaching perspective, this is a really, really good way for me to support the university community and teach my students how to do meticulous, detailed work following a guide, right? So there's a, there's a whole education aspect of it as well that, that ties in for me as well that makes it a lot of fun. All righty, folks. Uh, this brings us to the nearly the end of this episode. I do have a bonus topic for you. Uh, just I'm curious, what is your favorite Thanksgiving dessert, Jay? Um, people on from Conduit or that listen to Conduit will know um, I am an ice cream fan. So given that apple pie with ice cream on top. Nice. Dan? Those are good choices. Given any choice of pie is apple pie, but often we don't have it. So pumpkin pie will have to be a, a close second. Corey? So, Dan, I completely disagree with you. Pumpkin pie should not exist. Um, oh! <laughs> but my my grandmother, may she rest in peace, may would make this dessert that had a graham cracker crust, a cream cheese and like whipped cream topping on it. And then there was a chocolate layer of pudding in between it. And it was the best. Wow. And she would make it every holiday. And it was awesome. Wow, you pain me as I am uh, about to turn on the oven so I can cook this sugar pumpkin to make a pumpkin pie. Uh, (laughs) Sweet potato. Oh, yeah. yeah, I'm I'm not a fan of sweet potato pie either. But I love pumpkin pie. That's my favorite Thanksgiving dessert. Uh, Folks, thank you for listening to this episode of Clockwise. All that's left is to say uh, thank you and that we're thankful to our guests for being here. Jay Miller, thank you for joining us today. So glad I could be here again. Corey Hickson, thank you so much for being here. Thank you all for having me. Appreciate it. 
and Micah will be out. We'll be back next week. But uh, until then, we want to wish everybody out there uh, who celebrates a happy Thanksgiving and to remind them to watch what they say and keep watching the gobble, gobble, <laughs> gobble, gobble, everyone. <laughs>